0: If you would find the scripture, Second Chronicles 7, 14, let me read this with you. It said then, my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me me to be in tune to your holy spirit any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation lord if you prompt me with it i want to be obedient to speak to it and lord you look at all of us today but you see me differently i'm your teacher i'm your preacher and upon me is a great judgment a more strict judgment than anybody in this room and I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. You be seated. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for being here. We're in a series uh, on freedom. And uh, we we start it today, and you're gonna look at 2 Chronicles 7:14 and go, where's the freedom message in this? passage and I'm going to be glad to show you the freedom areas of this life and of the truth in this passage. So we're going to be doing that through, um, we're going to be doing that through July. Let me set up the, let me set up the, the context here. Uh, the kingdom has been divided. There's two kingdoms. There is a, Israel is in the North and Judah is in the South. So they're split in two. Uh, There are places to worship, but they're not the places that you wanna go to worship. They don't worship the Lord. And Solomon is building the temple here. He is building it, he has dedicated it, he has prayed in it uh, to where not only people who are in it, but even if you look toward it, it's a reminder to be in the presence of the Lord. And so this verse is a verse that where God is answering uh, what Solomon was praying about the temple being built, uh, Israel and Judah uh, people were masterful at uh, at really really pushing their brand of worship. Uh, they would line them up in Judah they would line their their temples and they they didn 't honor the Lord okay uh, some of it are where they had uh, altar prostitutes, you, where they, they, they honored other gods. And so Judah would build them on the north end of the south to tempt people from Israel to come over to them. They would build them in places where commerce would have you pass them. What do they say about real estate? There's three things about real estate. Location, location, location. And so they would put these as a tempting upon the people to worship other gods. So you've got kingdoms divided, north and south. Israel to the north, Judah to the south. The kings, when you read Chronicles, you're gonna, the kings are really mentioned in one or two ways. They were either doing right in the eyes of the Lord or they were doing evil in the eyes of the Lord a king's name would be mentioned. He's doing good in the eyes of the Lord or he's doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. Another standard was using King David as a standard. To this day, you'll find a line at David's tomb. Uh, There's as much of a line at David's tomb as there is Christ's empty tomb. They still revere David today as the standard of a king. So you were not only a king who did right in the eyes of the Lord or a king who did evil in the eyes of the Lord, you were a king that followed the ways of David or you were a king that did not follow the ways of David. So I just want you to see the two different ways here because it's very important. Uh, we're gonna see where 2 Chronicles 7, 14 mirrors that uh, in giving us what we should be doing and compared to the promise of God of what he he promises to be able to do. Let's look at the beginning of verse 14. God begins answering Solomon by referring to his people and his name. I'm looking for my people who are under and called by my name. He's looking for a group of people. The New Testament carries this out. I'm looking for a holy nation a royal priesthood i'm looking for my own people this is a verse that is a life verse for me second chronicles 16 9 and it says that the the lord is looking for loyal hearts looking for his people he's still doing that today for the eyes of the lord or yahweh roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. A heart that's not his will be a heart that's at war, not only with yourself, but also other people. In this, in this frame, it's King Asa. And King Asa ended up not following the ways of the Lord when they're talking about kings. So he says, my people, looking for people who are his. And then he says, my name. People who are called by my name. He puts his reputation on the line here. This, this phrase, my name, means his faithfulness. I know any time I lead you into remembering your life and just look at your life in the past, when I ask you to do that, I do it too. And I'll tell you what I see. I see his faithfulness. And I see his faithfulness even when I wasn't faithful. Scripture says when we were faithless, he remained faithful to us because of his love for us. So when he says my name, he's putting his reputation on the line. He's putting his promises on the line, his faithfulness on the line, and he's saying I am a faithful God. I am a God that you can trust. When he says my name, that's what it means. I'm looking for my people whose hearts are mine and who live under the truth and the promise that I am faithful and I will always be faithful. So then we begin on what he tells us to do. As he answers Solomon, he begins to tell us four things that you and I must do. And the first thing is, we are to humble ourselves. He says, humble yourselves. The picture here is submission. The picture here is bending the knee. It's a physical posture. It is, I am bending, I'm not standing tall, I I am um I am bending. I got to I've got to tell you this. I've told a few of you and I, you're going to laugh and I don't care. Okay, I just want you to know I don't I don't care. But I'm I'm doing yoga. All right? I know. I get it. But it's guy yoga, okay? It's not It's not weird out there, yoga. It's Dallas. It's Diamond Dallas Page, the old wrestler. You know, you know who I'm talking about in WWE. And uh, so I've got my mat. I go in the garage. I do my devotion. I'm not channeling any spirit guide. I'm not doing any. This is just an old wrestler who's broken all to pieces. All right. And uh, he used this to put his life back together, and so i I, I do my my Diamond Dallas page when it comes to this uh, and i'm I'm learning to get in positions I've swore up and down I could never get in, right. Uh, but it, it, it is, it is a bending and, and, uh, one of the things when you get done, you go breathe it out, you know, you got to do the, you got to do the diamond. So it, 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 it's a picture. I know, enjoy that for the rest of your week. Will you do that? Um, uh, and, uh, it, it is, it is a getting into a lowly place and you're going to laugh at this. There's a, there's a pose. It's called a child pose. Do y'all know that in yoga? It's called child pose and you just curl up on your knees and you breathe in and when you exhale, you just, you just you stretch and I, I get in that child pose. I'll tell you what I do with that. I'm listening to Christian music the whole time. I read a devotion when I start and I finish my workout with a devotion. Uh, I make sure that I have enough time for all that. But when I get into that child pose, it's as low as I can go, okay? And I do it. When I do it, I tell the Lord. I am, I am, now am I stretching ligaments and tendons and looking for the ibuprofen after it's all over with? <laughs> yes, but hear me. I, I bow before him. I, I use that as a time and I reflect on him that I, you, you are my Lord. I say those things to him uh, when it comes to that point. The picture of humbling yourself is you reduce your own rank. You reduce your own rank. Uh, you 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 submit your control. You know when we when we pray the pace prayer, we raise our hands and praise. And then we move our hands in the shape of a bowl. The P stands for praise. The A stands for uh, I accept or I acknowledge the Lord and what he's given me, his grace and his mercy, his salvation. The C is where I'll stop. I won't go through the whole prayer. But the C is I get my hands in a position of surrender and I release control. That's humble yourself has all of those pictures together. The opposite of humility is pride. And scripture never blesses pride, ever. James 4, 6, and I love James. He's our old friend James, right? James 4, 6, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. One many of you all know that I've grown up with, and maybe you have too, is Proverbs sixteen eighteen, and it, it says, "Pride comes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before a fall." If people are going to live a prideful life, it only tells me one other step is going to happen. There's going to be a great destruction and a great fall. So the opposite, the opposite of humility is going to be pride, and the opposite of pride is going to be humility. Let's just go common sense here. In the the Gospels, Jesus, does he tell you to choose first, or does he tell you to choose last? Last. Does he tell you to honor yourself above other people, or to honor people above yourself? Honor others higher than you honor yourself and the lord says to samuel's prayer i need the people to humble themselves there's a picture of desperation here that i need you i have nowhere else to go you are my first response but you and i treat him as our last resort do you do you see in your own life the pushback here that I've got to go to him. Yes. This is everything I'm gonna give you here is about I've got to go to him. It's gotta happen and that's where the pushback begins to happen in our own lives. We we get to the point of, well, I I can do it. I can do it on my own and we'll hit that here in the next one. The second thing he tells us to do is to pray. He said, Humble yourselves and pray. Why is this one so difficult for me and you? Is it because of time? Is it because you don't need him? Is it because you have an attitude of, I can do it by myself? I was in a preaching seminar in Louisville a number of years ago, and then after the seminar, there was a panel, and I was one of the preachers in the seminar and then I was part of the panel, there were about five different preachers, and they let the people ask questions to us. So one young preacher asked, and he pointed it to me, he said, how do you give an invitation at your church? And many of you all know, if you pay attention, one of the things I say, whosoever will, for whatever reason, come. But I said, in my heart and in my mind, I break that down this way. Is, and I've I've told you this many times before, the invitation is for you to come to him. He invites you. He says it over and over. Come to me. Another part of the invitation is cast it to me. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And the word care is, actually matches our contemporary word anxiety. Cast them to him. A third breakdown is we call on him. In Jeremiah, call to me. Call to me and I will answer you. And then the fourth breakdown of this is we need to confess to him. These are his invitations. Come to him, cast to him, call to him, and confess to him. But usually our response is this, I've got it. I've got it and I'm going to speak about my tribe. I'm going to speak about men. I think women have a tendency and a heart that will connect with Jesus a lot quicker than guys because we feel like as guys, we have got to be in control of it and lead it. And you've, you've got to back all of that and say, I don't have it. I don't have it. Under him's, Under God, responding to Solomon here about I need my people to pray, remember it was a necessity for Jesus. And you know where I'm going. If it was a necessity for Jesus, where does that leave us? Right? And then remember Jesus on the throne now is interceding and praying for us. And the Holy Spirit, when we don't know how to pray, gives utterance for us into who we are. So out of this second one, the first one is humble ourselves, the second one is pray. Listen, I'm giving you permission to start this, okay? Start grouping together, whether they go to this church or not, and praying with people. Don't wait for me to start the program. The program's already been started. Gather yourself with people to pray. Don't look for me to create the group. Don't let me do the matchmaking. If you're young and you don't know to pray, then find an older sister or a brother to teach you how to pray. Women, find an older sister that you know. And I'm talking about a sister in Christ. Find an older sister that will teach you and work with you and praying with you. Do that. Men, gather up. Don't wait for me to start it. Don't look for me to match you up. Let's don't do it by birthday months like we do crowd pleasers and icebreakers. All right, get together with people. If you don't know how to pray, then find those that do. The Lord will lead you to them and let them disciple you in prayer. We've got all kinds of things we can give you to equip you to be able to pray. Ask us for it. Some of you are already doing it. Some of you are already expanding it. I don't find out until you tell me. But you've started this group and that group when it comes to praying. You have been sanctioned, commissioned to go do it why do we push back on that so much imagine you giving your life to the creator of it all but yet you run from communicating with him it doesn't go together there's only one person that i know that doesn't want you communicating with your heavenly father and that's our enemy He doesn't want that to occur. He will lie to you and tell you you have no need of that. You don't have the time for that and he doesn't have the time for you when the truth of it is it's nothing but a great invitation. Come to me, call to me, cast to me, confess to me. That's all he does is invite you to him. We've got to be a part of it. You can't, you can't say, man, that's a good point of your sermon. You have got to put this in your life. It can't be, well, I, I, I received that today. It's got to be more than you received that today. It's got to be that I am applying it in my life. You've got to quit coming to church waiting for me to impress you. Some of you have been doing that for 30 years and it hadn't happened yet. What makes you think it's going to happen another, in another few years, right? It's do this thing. Don't think about it. Do it. Humble yourselves and pray. Let's begin those groups. Let the Lord bring you together and begin praying. Third thing he says, seek my face. There's no hiding here. This is the reason I think some of us don't humble ourselves and pray. A lot of people can be keyboard warriors and they look strong behind the keyboard, but when it comes face to face, it's another reality. And the Lord says, come together. Isaiah said, come, let's reason together. Let's come together and reason. There's no hiding here. This is a reality check. Uh, Prayer, prayer, humbling yourselves in praying, you need to see how one point moves into the next point. Humbling yourselves in praying is is a way for you to encounter the Almighty face to face. It happens in that way. And then the fourth thing he tells us to do is turn from your wicked ways. It's a 180. Some of you know there are some ways in your life you don't need to be doing, but yet you do them anyway. Uh, It's a 180. It's, uh, uh, it's, It's kinda like the ways of the kings. The kings were identified one or two ways. Those that did good in the eyes of the Lord or those who did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Either you're going the way of King David or you're not going the way of King David. Either you're of the... Israel that's divided to the north, or you of Judah that's divided to the south. It, it becomes that way, and, and prayer becomes that encounter for us to be face to face. And then through prayer, we realize where we are and what we need to turn from. It's a picture of repentance. I, I said this to you, um, I'd never really said it to the first service, but I've said it to the second service, but maybe not all of you in a, in a greater detail. And uh, I've, I've completely got off of Facebook. So if you post something and you're going, well, Pastor Jeff will read this. Pastor Jeff will not read this because he can't read this. I can read. I'm just not reading Facebook. So it's gone. It feels wonderful. I'm just gonna tell you. But one of one of the frustrations I was running into is people would post something and then they expected me to have read it, so that when I talked to them, they automatically had an assumption that I knew what they were talking about and i 've come down to this basic belief: if you want me to know it you 'll let me know it how about How about that? Is that a deal let 's shake on it okay we 'll shake on it um, and and my my point in that is. I'm replacing it. I've been a student of the God's word. I've been a pastor for uh, 37 years. Julie and I, this month, start our 30th year being here. And, and uh, I've, I'm a constant learner. But I'm replacing my time with Facebook to be fed with the things of God, the wisdom and the understanding of God. And I'm not saying I didn't do it in the, in the past. I'm just doing it more now uh just just activated a bunch of books that are Christian books so that I can listen to them on audio it here 's where i 'm getting old i i 've got a push button start on my truck, and I still look for the key to turn to crank. You know what i 'm saying? And then CarPlay comes up. I'm getting used to the menu screen and everything on it. I know you're laughing at that, but one day you will be old too, okay, if the Lord tarries is coming. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fill in all these areas of my life to be, f- to be fed with the things of God. Have I done that in the past? Yes. I'm just increasing it now. Will you join me in that? I'm not telling you to get off Facebook. at your business but I, I just know i'm glad i got off of it and the picture of it is i'm replacing it more with things that are his truth and wisdom and understanding that i get from scripture uh, uh, we got to turn we got to keep turning are you with me I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to start going in the right direction. Somebody, you're gonna say to me, well, what did the news say last night? And I'm gonna go, I don't know, but I can tell you what the Lord told me in my devotion today. You know, just give it an increase and watch what happens and begins to happen in your life. We turn, we are to turn from our wicked ways. Those are the four things he asks us to do. Now let's break it down to what he promises. He says that he will hear. God will hear us. For you Old Testament people, it's the word hear is the word that's Shema. And it's what they say that's out of Deuteronomy. Shema is the word, the Hebrew word for listen or hear. And it means obedience. When they, when the people hear the word Shema, they don't know, they know it's not just listen, but it's obey in this way. And so the Lord is saying this about himself. We will hear from heaven and I will respond with obedience because God says I am faithful. And you're wondering what's this sermon got to do with freedom, there's freedom to trust a God who is faithful. There's freedom there. He's reacting out of his own obedience with the word Shema here. God will Shema. God will hear, and he will hear, and he will be obedient because he's faithful. There's freedom there. The second thing he tells us to do is, he says he will forgive their sin, our sins. I'm gonna give you an example that's in my mind about God forgiving me of my sins. And it, it, may, it may help you, it may not. It does come out of, of my youth, so there may be a little bit of a gap here, but I'll try to explain the gap generationally. But when I, when I was growing up, I remember in elementary school, and some of you will, where you stayed in the same desk, in the same classroom all day long. There, there were no changing of classes. So you 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 had you had an assigned desk. Any old codgers in here like me, yeah. That you had you had the same desk. You had all every every study you had all day long was in the in the seat underneath your your desk, the opening. And I'm left-handed. So we, wor- we write weird because we had to write on, we had to write on right-handed desk, you know, you didn't ever see a left-handed desk. And then you, if you're left-handed, you, the wires always hurt you on the notebook, so you, you know, you, 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 you gotta dodge all that, which has made us weird. But anyway, I, uh, I can remember I'd be there, I remember fifth grade, I think, is when we started changing classes. Well, we would go to somebody's class for English, another class, we thought that was big stuff, you know? But back then, everything was in one, you know, you're in one classroom, one blackboard, and all the subjects you had that day, from social studies to English to math, were all on one board. And there was a ritual at the end of every school day with the blackboard, right? You remember, you had to clean the blackboard. In my elementary school, you had chores to do before you went home. Help tidy up, clean up, put things back in place. Now, if you were in the gifted class, which then meant the mischievous class, you had to clean the blackboard. And I cleaned it a lot, I just want you to know. And usually, hang on, it was just with a regular t-shirt kinda rag, and it was a tomato juice can from the cafeteria. You know those big, you remember those big cans of tomato juice? Of course it didn't have tomato juice in it, but it had water in it, and, and you could cut yourself on it. You know how great we thought back in that day, right? And so you would wipe it off. You would dip the rag in there, get it wet, you know, kind of rinse it out. And then you would start wiping and you would clean it. And then you had a dry towel that would go over it. And then we got, man, we got contemporary. We had that spray that would deepen the, uh, the color of the blackboard again. So this is my picture of forgiveness. In elementary school, we had every subject that day on that blackboard we wiped it off. When it comes to God, you've got all kinds of marks against you. Let's just, let's just make our life a blackboard. And you've got all kinds of marks against you. Marks the enemies put against you, accusations from other people. And when God, when you submit yourself to God and you humble yourself before him, and you pray, seek his face, you you hear his invitation to come to you. Here's what he does with your blackboard. He takes it and he wipes every mark against you off. You have a brand new life. When I deal with forgiveness, that's the picture, the revelation that God gives me. Everything, that has been against me he wipes it off he forgives me of my sin i get a new blackboard i get a new i get a new life lastly he says i will heal. i will heal their land the word heal here for those of you who come from pentecostal background is the word rafa Uh, he's Jehovah Rapha, he's the God who heals. You may see there's a lot of medical institutions throughout America now, and the name of their institutions has Rapha in it, meaning the God who heals. But here's the picture of this. The picture of this is there's a garment that's torn, and God takes the garment and sews it back together. He mends it. It even has a picture here of the precision of a surgeon he 's so precise in what he 's able to do. I remember when uh, I remember when Logan introduced to us a song that we're, we have been singing and we will sing today, and it 's called "Run to the Father" by Cody carnes there 's a line in that song that says uh, that um, I, uh, my, my heart my my uh, my heart needs a surgeon, and I remember when I first read that because I I, I theologically run th- songs through my mind, and I got to thinking, well, that's kind of neat, and then I'm going, is that a biblical picture? Because it's a contemporary phrase, and you and I get it, but does it match Scripture? And it does. When he says, God says, I will mend your land, I will heal their land, he says, I will operate with precision just like a surgeon. And so the brokenness of our lives you've got to realize there's two kingdoms here. There's two ways kings led. The, the God way or the evil way. The King David way or opposing King David. God, God gives us two distinct uh, divisions here in verse 14. It's, it's the things that we need to do And then there are the things that he promises to do. Here's our dilemma. Here's our problem. He tells me and you to humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from our evil ways. And then he will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Here's the dilemma. You and I want him to do the second half without me and you doing the first half. That's the the problem. You and I will even make comments. God's not doing anything. God's inactive. If God lost his power, why are things not happening? I'm telling you why things aren't happening. He's faithful. He is Shema. I am obedience. I am faithfulness waiting to happen. But what happens is you and I run. We, 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 Pick ourselves up and pride. One of my yoga moves with, uh, uh, with Dallas Page is attention. And, you know, Breathe in and breathe out. We walk through life just like this. Look what I've done. Look what I can do. Look at the power I have. Look how sharp I am. Look how creative I am. Look how intuitive I am. And we don't even acknowledge that he has done it for us. He opposes the proud and the pride, he opposes it. He, he humbles, those who humble himself in due time he will exalt them, scripture says. But our problem with us today in our culture is the second half you are requiring of him but you are not requiring anything of the first half with yourself. And so I'm asking, let's get back to some basic stuff let's get back to humbling ourselves let's get back to praying put your groups together don't i'll help you when it comes to giving you information on what to pray and how to pray but but let's put it together let's begin to start praying together let's seek his face it's it's reality check when we come face to face and let's turn from our wicked ways. He'll hear us. Shema, he is faithful. He will forgive us. You get a new blackboard. If you've never had to clean one of those, then more power to you. But you get a brand new life. There's freedom there. He mends your broken heart. There is freedom there. This is a freedom sermon. And listen to this before we go into invitation. King David is no longer. King David has been replaced. Jesus is our king and our Lord now. And there's freedom in him. But we're expecting the freedom without giving our own personal sacrifice. And today at the table, we invite you to come. And what are we going to remember at his table? His sacrifice. And he asked us to sacrifice too. And we can do that. And there's blessing and there's freedom and there's influence there. So you come to the table during this invitation. The bread represents his body given to us. The drink represents his blood shed for us. Without it, there'd be no forgiveness of sin. Without it, no no freedom, so come today. Let's remember his sacrifice, his body given, his blood shed, and let's, let's I believe in rededication. I do, and let's, let's rededicate this temple to him. Humble ourselves, be people of prayer, seek his face. Let's do the 180. Turn from the ways that are not his. And watch him. He's Shema. He's faithful. He will hear. He will forgive. And he will bring healing. Amen? Amen. There's freedom there. Let's pray. Father, I pray over our people. We remember today the sacrifice of your son, our Savior. His his body given, his blood spilt. Lord, we also come to this table with a recommitment of uh, Solomon. Solomon dedicated that temple, that place of worship. We dedicate these temples today to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek your face, and to turn. Turn in the ways of you, O Lord. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen. The invitation is this whosoever will for whatever reason today you come believers you come remember and remember him and give thanks church let's stand if you will logan's gonna lead us you come